0: The following is a live podcast recorded at the Disruptor Series Live. We are here with Mara LeCocq, who is Brand and Community Director at Fishbowl, also the founder of Where Are the Boss Ladies, um, as well as founder of Secret Code. So lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, We're at the 3% conference uh, where, uh, Mara, you spoke earlier. Uh, So why don't you give our listeners uh, who couldn't be at the the conference a little sense of uh, what your topic was today?
1: Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. We've been to a lot of conferences, and uh, what you know, it, it's great to be inspired by so many awesome people. But sometimes, you know, I empathize with the audience, and then you see like awesome people telling about how awesome their path is, and then you're like, okay, and what you know, what where where do I see myself in this? And I don't know. I think because I'm a digital child I like things to be interactive and I wanted to give the audience an opportunity to to be the ones to shine like I was just quickly introducing the concept but it's really about them talking to each other and That combined with, you know, the networking experience is always kind of awkward because you're like, hi, nice to meet you. What do you do? And it's like you stay on the surface and you're both great people, but you can't just be like, okay, let me tell you about this. Because that's actually when connections are made, when you get real about something. So I wanted people to talk to strangers people in the audience sharing their weakness to each other so that they can get real, really fast. Because what happens uh, when you're trying to be the perfect professional, it's really hard to find people that you can talk to because you're either with people that you're managing and you're trying to inspire. So you can't share the, your flaw with them. You can't share your flaws with the person who's going to do your peer review or the person who controls your raise. So you feel lonely and you start developing, you know, things start bubbling up inside and tension rising. And then one day you go crazy and you're like, you know what? Fuck advertising. When in fact, you just needed to talk to someone. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to give people.
0: And this idea of sharing with anonymity is sort of at the heart of Fishbowl in many ways. Yes. Uh, So let's talk a little bit about Fishbowl because I think some people view it as sort of just another agency spy like, platform where you can sort of get a bit snarky. Um, But actually, you talk a lot about it being a platform for the disempowered to find empowerment and for this sort of uh, really interesting exchange that can happen between strangers. So love to hear your perspective on sort of the Fishbowl mission and values.
1: Yeah. So for those who don't know, Fishbowl is a chat app for professionals of the same industry to have honest conversations about work semi-anonymously. So what's cool is that you can post as your job title or as your company but not both at the same time. So you feel safe asking a question that you wouldn't otherwise, uh, you know, in real life or on LinkedIn, while giving enough context on where you're coming from. So a question from a junior art director or from an ECD, you know, you understand kind of the context. And it's actually we're open to advertising, management consulting, teachers, uh, finance, accounting, and we just launched law. And I'm mentioning this because... Advertising is the only audience that had the agency spy background, Mm -hmm. and for the other audiences, there's none of that. There's none of the sort of, like, fear of it because they didn't have PTSD from agency spy. And so it's it's interesting because, you know, I I get it you know from advertising, but, you know, the CEO and the CEO and the team, they're like scratching their heads like, what is going on in advertising? And yeah, and our mission is to move careers and industries forward through transparent conversations and to democratize conversations between people of different seniorities who wouldn't dare talk to each other or different cultural backgrounds or different genders. And it's a great way for people to actually Learn from each other. I talk to a lot of sea uh, level folks in advertising. You know, we we often do user interviews just to understand. Okay, what are you know? What's your feedback? What are your challenges? And they often tell me like, yeah, I'm a totally a lurker, <laughs> but it's great for me to actually know what's going on at my agency because I'm so high up that everybody's like, everything's fine, no problem. And it's like, well. I really want to hear what the juniors are thinking. But the juniors will never tell the truth in person because they're like, well, are they going to fire me? And what makes us different is that moderation is, is really strong on fishbowl. People don't know that. Uh, professionals are verified, so there's a higher degree of accountability when people are speaking. But, you know, worst case scenario, we moderate out anything that is not productive. So, for example, if somebody says, so-and-so agency sucks, we remove that because it's not productive. But if somebody says, so-and-so agency makes me feel marginalized, I mentioned it a few times to HR, I don't know what to do, what's your advice, we leave it because it's productive. And then you have things like, I don't know if you've seen the New York Times article on Edelman dropping GeoGroup, and it's a conversation that started on Fishbowl. And so that's really the goal. For me, Like if Fishbowl could be like the Arab Spring of... Of professionals. You know, advertising is going well. And like, honestly, thanks to the 3% conference, we have access to the conversations of other industries. And you're like, wow. You know, I I don't know. Do you like (laughs) X-Men? No. (laughs) Do you know Professor Xavier? I do. And Cerebro? mm, (laughs) A little bit. So it it kind of feels like that where you like, you can see how people are are feeling in other industries. And management consulting, it's crazy. Did you see this scandal about waffles and pancakes? No. Oh, my God. So you won't believe this. It will sound like a, a thing from the 50s, but it's a management training that happened in 2018 at uh, a company I can't tell their name. Just imagine like, you know, one of the big companies. I mean, you can find it online. It's very easy. Um, And they let people of, you know, promising people learn, you know, leadership. And part of the program is sharing the differences between men and women. And they were, they were getting into like metaphors (laughs) and they're like, okay, so women's brains are like pancakes uh, because the syrup, you know, has a hard time holding. So it's hard for them to focus. Men's brains are like waffles. The syrup is compartmentalized in different boxes. So, so yeah that is like what's going on in management consulting. God, You know, it's funny you say that
0: because in coming to the 3% conference, I uh, had an opportunity to get together with a longtime friend um, and we were catching up and she works in a very, you know, she's a general counsel in a very different, you know, big sort of chemical company space. And she was telling me uh, the experience she's been through the last year. And I was horrified Mm. at what she was saying about, you know, how she was being talked to, how she was being treated, you know, things that we think um, have been, eradicated. And it was such a reminder. I think of two things. One, how much further we really have to go and how things like 3% and Me Too and and all of those things um, have really just scratched the surface. But also, as you said, you know, within advertising, we can become so self-critical, which I think is good because Mm -hmm. we have a lot of issues to address. But I actually felt thankful that we are at least starting to have conversations and that 3% is the kind of platform that can bring, especially this year, men and women together yeah, to have transparent, honest conversations, and you know the reality of what's happening in some of these industries is a little shocking. So yeah. this might actually be a moment where I feel like advertising has something to feel like we're at least off to a good start.
1: We are, yeah. And it's a, uh, it's it's just humbling to realize that. Um, and also, it's like it's good to give ourselves a pat on the back once in a while because we feel like you know we go through shit, but it's actually. <laughs> Kat and the team are doing such a great job on moving things forward for the industry. Yeah,
0: for sure. Um, Now, speaking of the industry, you worked in advertising as a creative for 14 years. (laughs) uh, But then there came a moment where you sort of said, I'm going to do... Some other things. Yeah. Um, and you're still very involved and, and do freelance
1: work. Uh, not anymore. Uh, yeah. Oh, not no, anymore I'm, at all. I'm fishbowl full-time. Full-time. Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, so, you know, yeah. So you left. Yeah. Um, I went brand side. You went yeah. brand side. And you've got uh, sort of the the where are the boss ladies and those things. So what really forced you to say, I'm going to walk away from what I'm sure was successful trajectory mm-hmm. um, and sort of follow my values?
1: I got a great question. Um, So 12 years into my career, I was lacking role models. I only had male bosses all my life. And they were awesome. But I think at a certain point, I was like, you know, I have, you know, workaholic tendencies. And it's not healthy for me. If, if my boss is a workaholic, I will I will be that because, you know, you you sort of replicate whatever role model you have. And I, you know, I have amazing bosses, but they were like, working weekends. And they were always on call and me too. I was there for them. And I think that's why they they love me. (laughs) But I was like, do I want to do this when I'm 45? Uh, You know, it's like, and I, I wanted to have, I was craving for a female leader because they have children. I don't have children, but I want to, I want a leader who has kids, who makes me believe that I can be strong and have a great career uh, with a family. And, you know, I think with a lot of, to be honest, like, with a lot of people who work really hard, you're like, oh, I don't want to be a B player once I have kids. I'd rather leave than be like, because some people, yeah, when they start leaving at six all the time, they're like, okay, you just go work on that, you know, whatever, the lower level work. And this sounds so, like, classist and everything, but I think it's a real struggle with people who work hard. It's also driven, like, by ego and, like, our own issues. We can go into, like, a rabbit hole and, like, <laughs> why do I need to prove myself to others? What insecurities are you having right now, Mara? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's another topic, but I think it's relatable. So not having these role models has made me sort of question. And whenever I met a senior female leader in creative, an ECD, a CCU, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I want to be here. I... But I didn't have that. So actually, yes, I was I was like really good in my career. I was creative director at AKQA for Nike. You know, for a creative, that's like the dream. Yeah. Pinnacle. Yeah. yeah, pinnacle. But just going through issues at work and like bullshit and just being – there's so – and I'm really not the type of person to be like, oh, the, oh, the men. But I think, you know, with, you know, high-stress jobs on like high-stress accounts – where all the eyeballs are there and everybody's counting on you, everybody's sort of like, I think the sensitivities get higher and fights break off like more easily. So I, I was just like, fuck this. Like, I'm not gonna argue for this and like, you know, lose my husband who doesn't, we're not even talking anymore because mm-hmm. I'm always working. And um, and so I I left um, and I decided to do something about uh, the lack of role models for women in technology actually, because that's my background. Uh, so. Uh, creative and technology and so I created a personalized children's book that stars your girl as a tech hero it's called secret code and the way it works is that you customize the name the skin color and the hairstyle online so it looks like the girl you want to inspire and two weeks later she gets a book in the mail about her story as a badass robot engineer Mm -hmm. And it it came from actually thank thank advertising. I did a a project for Verizon uh, that raised awareness on the lack of women in STEM, and that was in 2014, right before Like a Girl, mm-hmm. you know, the beginning of sort of that realization, and that really like made me realize the issues and stats that help back up projects. So studies showed that stereotypes have an impact on children's aspirations by the age of six. Mm. And so I was like, well, why am I here today? Why am I competing with all these nerdy dudes who consider me their equal? Well, it's because I was pushed into technology when I was very young. I'm an only child and my parents bought a computer before I was born. And so that was my sibling. And so I grew up wanting to be a programmer, but also I was oil painting at the same time. So this sort of like dual personality. And so by the age of 18, I already had 18 years of technology experience so I could get in the best schools and get the best internships. And and so that's what I wanted to bring to kids, to little girls in their formative years. If they become super cool nerds at five, then when they're 18, they're going to kill it. So that was sort of the fulfilling project I worked on.
0: Yeah. It's funny. Um, when I was reading a little bit about you, I was struck by how your family and your upbringing has had, I think, such a profound impact on the work that you do now. You touched on sort of this dual influence of sort of right brain, left brain, creative yeah. and engineering. Um, uh, but I saw you quoted as saying, uh, your parents also, um, always refer to you as human, yeah. not as a girl. Yeah. And yeah. so I was curious about, you know, when did you become aware of that, Um, uh, um, and and do you think that that has shaped sort of your view, totally. um, and and sort of given you um, the the fire within you to really talk about you know equity and inclusion and right. weakness and strength and, and all the things that are now sort of the, your your passions and your life's work?
1: Yeah, I really realized what my gender was in 2014. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, I mean, you're you're brainwashed by the way your parents you know raise you, so thankfully when they introduced me to people they would say things like oh you're a wonderful little human and yeah i was never i never considered myself as a girl or as a boy because also i guess as an only child i had just also no comparison okay oh is my brother being treated this way or my sister and my dad was was actually he really pushed me to kind of do the opposite of what society expects you he actually would tell me like whatever everyone thinks questioned that always. I was like, oh, okay, sure. And so, you know, when I was a kid, well, I think that's why I brought up X-Men. I was (laughs) like, I loved X-Men. I loved fighting and like boxing and math. Anything that stereotypically a girl wasn't good at or wasn't into, I just have this fire for it. Now, you know, post-rationalizing, I'm like, I know it's because it's the opposite, but I was just naturally drawn to anything that girls weren't drawn to. And I think that's what made me move up and have a, a good career, you know, going from BTC in Paris and Tribal DDB in Toronto and AKQ in New York. And I was the one, like, dragging my husband, you know, and uh, and he's the one supporting me. And because I have good relationships with men, And I don't see them as men. I see them as humans. And I think they feel that and they feel safe with me. Like, yeah, we do have alpha bosses and everything, but they have insecurities too. And I think I just made them feel safe around me. So even if they said things, they would say things that are like, you know, that people would call like sexist or whatever. I'd be like, hey, you know, just just so you know what you just said, like, you know, maybe you don't say that uh, in a, in a meeting because it's like, it can offend people. But, you know, we're cool. Like, I get it. Like, you didn't know. And then the guys like the guys would be like, oh, my God, thank you so much. No one ever told me this. And I think that was my strength in just leaders. I, you know, I, I treat everyone the same way. I treat a janitor the same way I treat a CEO. We're all humans. Mm-hmm. And I think they feel that and that I have their back. And I think that's the magic of a good relationship with people from different backgrounds.
0: Mm-hmm. And the, the sort of issue of men and their participation in this whole journey is a big topic of this year's conference yeah. so the the role of men and their participation and you said you had lots of male bosses mm-hmm. um, only male <laughs> o- only male bosses so you know have you found males as allies in in your journey it sounds like yes mm-hmm. um, but it Seems like you also, though, still felt a void that yeah. needed to be filled by women.
1: Yeah. And this void really starting shaping, I think, when i entering my mid-30s because that's when it's like the next life phase. It's like, okay... Is it workaholism until I retire? I hope not. <laughs> and just thinking of like the next step of starting a family, like sorting set, setting that up. You know, when you're 25, you're like, yeah, let's eat pizza and like work this weekend. Who cares if we're disgusting? But then you're mid-30s, you just like grow out of that. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and that's where I was craving for a role model. So, yes, I think, um, I mean, men definitely need to be role models for women, but there needs to be other types of people that these women can be inspired by. And it doesn't have to be just like, women need to be managed by women and men. But, you know, if there's just like a few women, people from different ethnicities, just like that diversity to get inspired from and to empathize with different cultures. It's just like the variety more than like, we need only women. You know, it's like people from different backgrounds. Yeah,
0: you know, coming off of, this discussion around the need for role models. And, and, you know, your it sounds like your personal inspiration was sort of like, I've had all these wonderful male bosses, but now I'm at the life stage where I need some female influence. Um, and and that was the inspiration for uh Where Are the Boss Ladies? So talk a little bit about that platform and and
1: what it's meant to do. So I was a Fishbowl user, a very intense Fishbowl user, and uh, I love the women in advertising bowl because it's like it's like a warm hug <laughs> of all these strangers coming together to support each other. And a question I kept on seeing is like, "Oh, I I feel I feel disempowered at my company. Are there magical wonderlands where there are female leaders at agencies?" And I kept seeing that question a few times and I'm like, you know what? And I was so busy with like freelance and secret code and everything. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do this list real quick. I'm just going to post it on Fishbowl and then we're going to forget about it. And so I did the spreadsheet and left it on open access. And it was such a magical moment. Like it was for two days, everyone was going nuts and like, uh, posting the the female leaders they they knew on that spreadsheet. So you know when you see those little animals on the top right of the the Google sheet, like there were twenty. I think there it caps to twenty because it was always like twenty and not more. I don't know, but it was like everyone's adding their boss, and uh, then it got shared by Three Percent Conference by Cindy Gallup, um, then Adweek and the Drum picked it up, and then it. And then I found my co-founder on Fishbowl who reached out he's like, I love what you're doing, but not to brag, I'm really great with data and organization. I'm obsessed. And uh, I recommend you bring this to Airtable. And so since we've been co-founders on this and, you know, uh, I I couldn't do this without her, uh, Christina Jones, who works at, uh, at Virtue, and now we have more than a thousand female leaders. And... Our goal is to provide women with role models to work for. And it's being used by a lot of companies, you know, Netflix, Apple. They're, they're, Everyone's like, yeah, we're on it all the time. I'm like, can you give me $5? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this <laughs> is not a monetized platform no. at this point? No, and it's, it won't be because there are lists out there. And I get that people need to pay the bills. Uh, that's why Fishbowl is paying my bills. <laughs> <laughs> so like, this can be maintained. Mm-hmm. But uh, because I get that they need to survive. So they, they monetize these platforms. It, they become private. But then what do you do about the 25-year-old or the 30-year-old who's looking for a role model so it doesn't solve the problem? So I'm like, this is more like a Wikipedia uh, model. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then there's a donation, so, like, feel free. (laughs) But, you know, we're not, like, pushing. I mean, also, as a creative, I'm, like, terrible with that stuff. I'm not like, hey, you know... Donate to feel better. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we do maintain that thanks to donations. Uh, we have somebody who updates the list. Fortunately, Airtable makes it really easy without investing in like thousands of dollars in tech mm-hmm. just to have something that's user friendly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then we're able to 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 have uh, freelancers like update the platform and because women move around. So
0: I mean, I'm sure our listeners are like. Oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed with how prolific Mara is. You know, she's working at Fishbowl, you know, she reached sort of, as we said before, really an enviable place within advertising. Then she's, you know, parlayed that into a Fishbowl sort of role and these like amazing ventures that are not just really interesting, but having positive impact in the world, you know. I could never do that. Mm. You know, I I I might be plagued by self-doubt or mm-hmm. I just don't have the time or you yeah. know all the excuses that we sort of have in our own minds. So, you know, your talk earlier was all about sharing weakness mm-hmm. or, or being honest. And so what is sort of your honest advice yeah. about how to be so multifaceted and what the reality of that looks like?
1: yeah, uh, I, I, I love this question because there's so many layers to this. Well, first, like why, why would you want this? You know, what is the reason? for me, it's it's, you know, and I understand, you know, it's like, oh, Okay, it looks cool on social media. You can build your profile. I get it. We all need that, you know? But for me, it's never been about that. It's like something that pains me. And it's like a a, a scratch. I need to itch. um, And I need to get it off. And so I do these things because it really annoys me. Actually, yeah, I'm not like they're like, ooh, I want to do a fun project. It's more like, I fucking hate this. (laughs) I need to solve it so I can be less nuts. (laughs) So I think that's sort of my approach. But also you know, life is about trade-offs and people don't talk about that. And, you know, everything looks great on social media. And that's why also I love Fishbowl because it's so honest because, you know, and I'm culprit on that. If if you look at my LinkedIn, I'm like, I am so honored to be on the stage of blah, blah, blah. Oh, I am uh, uh, really excited. You know, like anything that's sort of brag-worthy because it it helps for business too. And it kills me. I'm like, it helps me, but it makes people feel insecure. And I'm like, ah. But the downside to this life is that my personal life, actually, I'm blessed to have a husband who's super supportive, who's the one, you know, we're talking about the, the mental load that women uh, typically face with husbands who are not very, like, present. Well my husband has the mental load. Like, he's the one thinking about the dishes, thinking about posting things in the mail and and the laundry. And and I'm like, what? Uh, so, oh, sorry, I forgot. And I'm like, I always feel like a horrible wife. And I'm like, why are you still with me? <laughs> no, you know, things are great. And we talk about it. But, you know, there was a come to Jesus moment at the end of last year where, you know, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I hope he's not listening. <laughs> he, he was like, I, I don't know. If this is working, you know, and kind of insinuating what it insinuates. And I was like, oh my God, we've been here together for 10 years. And it's true. I've been like leaving him on the side, and he's never been a like a priority in the past months because I'm doing Where Are the Boss Cities and Secret Code and Freelancing. Um, and I uh, and I was like, Yeah, I need to, I need to think about about my personal life and that's why I decided to take a job. I've always like loved Fishbowl but I did, you know that was the moment I was like okay I'm doing all these Side hustles like I I was uh, on this actually entrepreneurial track because with Secret Code I won uh, a Girl Boss Foundation grant um, I signed with WME and I was kind of pushed you know through Sophia Amoruso's network like to become an entrepreneur and I also was at a startup accelerator program by the Runway Foundation and I was like I'm becoming an entrepreneur and then this sort of broke down in our my personal relationship with my husband and I was like uh, if I become an entrepreneur the I'm going to lose him. So I need to go back full time and have a normal job and, you know, and leave at six and try. And, and it's been so great. I love, I'm just, I'm so used to working nights and weekends. (laughs) And now it's like, wow, what? You guys, like my, my bosses at Fishbowl, they're like, Mara because I had a, some back problems. Like, Mara, you need to work out like two or three times a week and please don't check in on weekends. And I'm like, what? Like, I, I'm i like, I'm still traumatized from the the ad days. So, So anyway, <laughs> all this to say that there's no, like, it's awesome to have a nine to five and to not have side hustles. Like, you can, but why like you enjoy your life and your and your and your friends and your partners and uh work on the stuff that really gets on your nerves um and I think that's where you'll find your passion actually it's it's closer than you think it, you know I think a lot of people are like oh I need to think about a concept it's like actually you're already there Just the, th- the thing that really annoys you you know and there's amazing people who are who are doing great things you know like where the boss ladies is one of the cool ad projects for women. There's Invisible Creatives. There's uh, the portfolio side of women. Uh, There's Fellow, a networking uh, app for women. Um, So anything that bothers you can lead you to a really fulfilling project, but you don't need, you know, take care of yourself. Yeah. And it's harder to say than actually to take action on to, it. <laughs> to do yeah. No, I
0: mean, I, I really appreciate your honesty because I think it's it's really so rare. You know, I think I've been struck really at how many honest conversations mm-hmm. have been having uh, happening at this conference because I do think we now have a lot of really great female um, role models, but there is this impression that they're doing it all. They've mm-hmm. got, they're able to manage a family and yeah. and lead a business or have a side hustle or be an entrepreneur. Um and many I think give quite a lot of credit to their partner. Yeah. Um but you know, I think what the underside of that is it's not enough to give them credit. Like sometimes you have to give them time yeah. and attention oh and God, conversation. So well and yeah. so, uh, I think the, the more people are being less guarded and more honest and more transparent, the more, maybe some of these cultures of work will change because yeah. yesterday when Google was on the main stage, they were talking about how in advertising, they look not just for representation, but portrayal. And it was starting to make me think mm. about even within our, uh, agency, you know, we're doing a really good job of representation. You know, Mm -hmm. the the numbers are really good. But how much are we doing around culture and and behavior, which is, I think, sort of our version of the portrayal piece? You know, are we creating environments where moms can do what they need to do and not feel like they're sacrificing one for the other. I mean, you know, that's always going to be a a bit of an issue and a tension. But how much are we really doing to create a culture of work that doesn't make people suffer silently um, or or suffer in their relationship? So, Mm. I mean, you know conversation enlightenment and, you know, more diverse people attacking these problems will be the only way we advance. But it has certainly been something that that I've been thinking about. And I think your honesty in that moment um, will hopefully help people listening to this sort of think, okay, you know, I need to be honest of my truth as well in in all of this. Yeah. Um so I mean we're we're wrapping up but before we sort of say goodbye is there anything um that you want to share in just in terms of advice, guidance, learnings? For, for, again, for people who are listening and thinking like, wow, she's badass and, and I want a, a little bit of, of that in my life?
1: I think it's just simple advice. I think with my obsession with uh, good leadership, I think, you know, people are always looking to, to, to step up and, you know, especially the, the younger ones, you know, it's like, oh, I want that raise. I want that promotion. The fastest way to do that is to make your boss's life easy. I think we forget that. You know, it's like we we kind of, uh, Sarah Watson gave a really cool talk at uh, Strategist. It's a really cool uh, community of strategists in New York. And she mentioned something like that and she gave it a nice light where don't come like confrontative when you're asking for a raise or for a promotion. Like, well, I did this and, and I did that. And this is what I deserve, which is kind of, I guess, I don't know why language that you see in the media on in Instagram, like you don't ask, you don't get what you, whatever, don't ask for, like, but in kind of an aggressive way. Mm-hmm. But if actually you are making your boss's life easy and taking stuff off their plate and, and, you know, helping them be great leaders They will give you everything. Like, I have a junior designer at Fishbowl. I love her so much. I will cry if she leaves. Like, I will give her anything. And... You know, it's just by being really cool and, you know, and just being a team player that you can move up really fast.
0: Yeah. And I think I read uh, from another interview, um, your advice was, you know, don't always chase sort of the name on the door, but <clears> the <throat> yeah. quality of the boss. So, yes. you know, better to work at a, maybe a a less uh, respected agency, but a really good boss than a really great agency or, or company of exactly. any sort for a boss that isn't going to empower and, and mentor and, you know, lift exactly. you up.
1: Exactly. Yeah, you don't learn that in school. And, and you, you, chase that fancy name and, uh, you ended, you know, you end up just doing mediocre work by somebody who doesn't really care about you. Yeah. So yeah, it's really important. It's like dating, like, you know, we're not made for everyone, but if you click with that boss, like they're going to give you everything and going to teach you, mentor you. And then even 10 years later, you're going to keep in touch. And while, when they're going to become the CCO of an, another place, because they are awesome, then you're going to be able to get there too. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mara. Yeah, thank you. Yep. This
0: is great. You've been listening to the Disruptor Series podcast brought to you by TBWA Shide Day New York. Craving more disruption? Visit us at tbwashydayny.com.